day to you and welcome to On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic and a new one at that. This is our launch edition, episode one, a groundbreaking moment akin to Dennis Trebeni becoming a Premier League goalscorer or the gallant Sir Bean, according to Match of the Day. Uh, if we can make you feel a slither of how good that second goal at Goodison Park did, then we will have done our job. My name is Michael Bailey. Hello there. Sat at the foot of Norwich Castle, roughly. Uh, I am the Athletics Norwich City correspondent, and every week I will host our Canaries chat with a rotating guest list that will include a former Carrow Road press officer, a Norwich stats guru, the most Scottish Norwich fan we know, plus an array of former players and pundits. And to kick it off... We really do have a cracker for you. On the ball one will be how Norwich really beat Everton. We'll hear from some of the key protagonists at Goodison Park and discuss our Norwich City team of the decade. And we will do it all this week with a top flight pairing of former City press officer, as I teased, Ben Mounser. Hello, Michael. Well done. Perfect. This is working a treat. And BBC Radio Norfolk commentator, Chris Gorham. Hello, Michael. Hello, Chris. What a, what a <laughs> delight to see you both. I think we're here because we misread the email. We were told it was the lunch episode rather than the launch episode. <laughs> yep. There's no food. Well, getting on to that, um, <laughs> snacks will be a key topic of discussion. There's a, a, a modest bag of Maltesers. How are we both? Are we well? Yes, very good. I think we're, we're all feeling much better about life after Everton, aren't we? How, how much did we all need a Norwich City win? It, it does affect your mood whether you get to admit it or not. God, just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> it's amazing how things can change so quickly, isn't it? I think after the Watford game, people were certainly the lowest they've been this season about things and certainly, you know, feeling pretty down about prospects for the rest of the season. Suddenly, one win, it's only three points, but people are, have, have that glimmer of hope again, don't they? I'm pretty sure I wrote them off most of the international break. <laughs> so um, it certainly is a nice change of circumstances. Uh, okay, so this is On The Ball. Uh, you can add the city to the end in your heads. And this is uh, one of 11 shows being launched by The Athletic this week. They include the Ornstein and Chapman show, where Mark Chapman and David Ornstein delve deep into some of football's biggest stories. This week, they have fresh insight on Pochettino's Tottenham exit. Oof, what a story that was. And assess whether Jadon Sancho has moved a step closer to his Premier League return. To hear that and many more pods, Go to theathletic.com now and subscribe with a 40% discount by using the code UKPOD. Uh, right, we've uh, touched on it. Let's get straight uh, into the Canaries buffet and begin with the joys of Goodison. At Norwich's first away win of the season, second and third away goals, fourth away point and bucket loads of hope. So um, if you check out The Athletic, you can read my breakdown of why it worked for Daniel Farker and his men on Merseyside. And no, it wasn't just Everton being rubbish, although obviously it did play a part. Uh, ben and Chris, what, what was it for you that lifted Norwich to, uh, to, to new heights on the road almost? Well, I think clearly like a lot of work was done on the training ground over the international break. So let's talk about that first of all. I think um, tactically Farker has obviously been working on trying to find a way to... <laughs> balance his team more effectively obviously earlier in the season they were exposed quite a lot um, tactically and I think it, it sort of came to fruition against a, an Everton side low on confidence and I think that that was really that was really the secret ingredient for me the key ingredient yeah and I think having Christoph Zimmerman back and not just because it was him having a recognised central defender um, alongside Ben Godfrey I think that that made a massive difference because Daniel Farker has been saying this for weeks that it will get better when we have two central defenders and 
we saw on, on Saturday why he's been saying that because suddenly the whole team looked a lot more comfortable. They weren't so worried about what was going on behind them. The fullbacks were able to get forward like they used to. I felt in recent weeks they were reluctant to do so because they weren't confident that everything was covered behind them. It meant Alex Tetty could move back into midfield where he's more comfortable and the whole thing looked again like the, the team that was playing last season and just bringing one player into it. It might have been the same if it had been Grant Hanley, but just having a central defender um, in, in the shape of Christoph Zimmerman, to me, that it's no coincidence that Norwich suddenly looked like a, a well-oiled machine again. Yeah, we didn't want to overblow Christoph's return, but it, it didn't all seem <laughs> to work out exactly how they were yeah. how they're hoping it it would. Well, I think obviously Christoph is, Zimmerman is just one player, but I think the the impact is is more sort of more residual across the whole team. Like he he, he comes into defence, as you said, Chris. He's given he's given Ben Godfrey a, an established partner, so Ben Godfrey's level is raised. He's enabled Alex Tetty to move back into midfield and partner Tom Tribal, and we know that partnership is very effective. I think you wrote about it in your piece for the Athletic, Michael. So I think the impact across the whole eleven is um, is is there when you bring someone like Zimmerman back into the team, and his leadership skills have been essential for Norwich over the past, you know, certainly the second half of last season. And I'd completely forgotten how good he is at playing long diagonal passes as well. <laughs> Which, we, from I'd the goal totally as well. forgotten about that because he, he, we, we wanted him back for his defensive qualities and his leadership qualities. And then two or three times in the first half, he played some great balls out to, to the wings. And we sort of thought, oh yeah, he can do that as well. <laughs> you don't realise what you've been missing. I mean, that, that, that it came for the goal. It wasn't uh, the first goal. It wasn't a diagonal, but it was down the line to Kenny McLean, Norwich's new out, outlet yeah. in terms of long balls. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a curious debate, isn't it, about how much Norwich change their, and adapt their style, but also lose their principles. So at what point do we look at them pinging it long for Kenny McLean to pick on for Timu Pukki and go, well, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, they have to have that outlet, don't they? Because they can't just... We, I have criticised them for, for just getting stuck in not being able to play out from the back, but when they do and then hit it long, it just comes straight back at them. So to have a focal point like Kenny, I don't know why it particularly worked against Everton. But It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Marcus Superman last year was that focal point. He was the outball for, for Daniel Farker's men. This season, it hasn't quite worked out for him for whatever reason. Um I don't know their heights, but I think Stephen is probably a bit taller than Kenny McLean. But Kenny McLean has that aggressive. Um, I imagine they've had that competition that, between themselves. Yeah, probably, absolutely. So. But he just seems to, he seems to have a very, very good effect in the air. And um, are we, are we're going to move move on to talk about Kenny McLean. I'm sure because he was one of the stand up performers, wasn't he? Well, do, do it now, Ben. Well, I've got, I've got some. Um, well, the fact that he, he, yeah, I mean, you know, the Twitter account NCFC numbers, who Michael said is going to be involved in this. Uh, in this podcast regularly has supplied me with a couple of uh, background oh, well stats on Kenny McLean. <laughs> so, well, uh, he, he won 12 headers against Everton, which is more than any Norwich City player in a single game since August 2018, which is astonishing, really. I mean, I don't have any sort of data to contextualise this, but for a midfielder in that position to win that many headers, I don't know, you'd think it would be a, a target man striker or a central defender, for example. So that was 60 games ago where a player won more headers in a game and he also had more touches more passes more key passes more crosses than any, any other player on the pitch so I think his impact was really crucial in the win at Goodison Park I mean we it always, always takes two teams to tango I mean the way Everton did give Norwich space certainly helped because Kenny's had difficult moments of, of course but you know he, he did have that real impact on the game yeah and I think what a, what a show of faith it was in him because that, that one position in the team the, the number 10 role the, the more advanced of the three central midfielders whatever you want to call it that's one position where Daniel Farker is spoilt for choice 
You know, he's tried so many players in there over the years. Uh, Steepman's been the star there the last year or so. We've seen Moritz Leitner tried there. Vrancic is fit again. A lot of people have said, let's try Buendia or Campwell there. So that's five other players I've mentioned who Kenny McLean was chosen ahead of. And when you're having that amount of faith shown in you, then A, you've got to perform because you know there's other players knocking on the door. And it, it must make you feel 10 feet tall. Maybe that's why he won so many headers because he was literally <laughs> 10 feet tall at the it weekend. Like it. And he's now, he's now the mayor of Merseyside as well as Norwich. <laughs> the number 10 position for Norwich is interesting because they've been so open at times this season. I think they probably need somebody in that role who isn't solely an attacker, someone who's got a bit more energy about them, and as Steepman does at his best, and McLean certainly did on, on Saturday. So, yeah, the, the, the balance was spot on, on on Saturday. It hasn't been very often this season for reasons we've already mentioned, but they were solid and they also looked dangerous going forward, which is fantastic. And it was a big call dropping Emi Buendia, a player that Norwich still haven't won when um, he's not been involved. He, he did come on as a substitute <laughs> late on to, to maintain that statistic. Uh, Jerkin, he was in Farkasir on the bench saying, I need the statistic. Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, keep it going. Um, but I, I mean, it, it, it is interesting in terms of um, with how uh, Todd kind of took on his role and was, was all over the place and, and, and really active and then the composure for the finish as well. I, I think, you know, to see Todd back to how he was at the start is, 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 is really important. But also the protection him and I thought O'Neill gave both fullbacks. I know, as you said, Chris, they were, relaxed, they were sort of freer to push on, but they also seemed to work as closer mm. pairs with their other wide players. But I think it's what you get, another knock-on effect of having the, the injury crisis slightly easing is now the players who are playing in the team on Saturday, Todd Cantwell and, and Ernel Hernandez, they now know that Daniel Farker's got other options because you look at the bench, Wendia and Patrick Roberts are there. And there have been games this season where you know, if you're fit, you play. And, and you've looked at the substitutes bench and you've had players like um, Akim Famiwo, who's never been involved with the first team before. So those who are on the pitch have known, well, I'm, I'm always going to play. Well, this is the situation. I think we're really seeing the, the benefit now of that, that genuine competition for places. Indeed. Uh, let's have a little a word from uh, Tim Krull about uh, the, uh, the, his teammates and, and the return of Christoph, of course. It's just the positioning of the boys. Like Simbo is an out-and-out centre-half. He knows exactly where, and it, it makes it for me so much easier that I don't. I know where he is. I know what's going to come with him. You know, and that's so, so important for everyone. Like Max, he looked like uh, so much freer again, and it just, and through the whole team, that gives the the base what we need through the whole middle. And, and um, we didn't want to put too much pressure on Simbo, but yeah, he's uh, he's delivered today. And off the top of my head, I think Sam Byram has started your last two wins. <laughs> yes. Which I mean, and yeah. I have to say, him playing left back, he looks so comfortable when you consider that he's probably more right back. Yeah, I mean, listen, Jamal Lewis is a, a top, top, top player, and, and and again, when he had a when he had that knock yesterday, or from from when he was away at the international break, it's a shame to see him walk off because he's a top player. But to, for Sam Byron, we had this last year. The boys coming in doing a job, and and, and Sam did more than a job today. He was he looked comfortable, um, yeah, and he did some great tackles. Should have scored. Definitely should have scored. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, it's a, it's a great feeling in that changing room at the moment. Next up is Arsenal. Um, the caveat we're recording um, sort of midway through Monday. At the moment, Unai Emery is still in charge of Arsenal. Are we hoping that's still the case come Sunday? Yes. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell Arsenal. Um, that's fine. Uh, oh, it'd be so good to get a really positive result at Carrow Road because I think um, I still think the reverberations of Aston Villa are <laughs> rumbling around. And... Yeah, and. 
uh, having seen, we, we were ideally placed on Saturday, weren't we, in the press box, right behind the Everton director's box to see Bill Kenwright getting it in the neck from the locals there about wanting Marco Silva sacked. And now Norwich potentially come up against another manager who's under big pressure, Unai Emery, and then Ralph Hasenhautl after that. We could, Norwich could have a, a, an unlikely hat coming up another of under-pressure managers <laughs> yeah. that, that, they're, that they're facing. And I think, actually, it's, it's a good couple of games for Norwich to go into now because Arsenal's away record is really bad. They've they beat Newcastle on the opening day of the season. They haven't got anything on the road since, I don't think, or they certainly haven't won on the road since. And Southampton haven't won at home all season. So it's certainly an opportunity to follow up the Everton result with some, some more points. I'm glad you see it that way because I'm, I'm still... Um I'm still uh, annoyed by the Manchester United away record. I think they've only won once in 11 away from home. But we won't worry about that. We won't worry about that. We're within touch again, aren't we? Not, not Psychologically, not being bottom. That makes such a difference to me. It really does. <laughs> it's, so, it's so difficult. The, the yeah. Look at the clubs. I mean, there are going to be some, some teams, some clubs that are not prepared for relegation going down this year, whoever they are. It looks that way, doesn't it? I, I think Norwich have still got a lot of catching up to do because of that, that that wretched run they've had since Man City, that run of no wins, only one point and just two goals in seven games. That's a, that, that is a run that is going to cripple Norwich for some time. There we go. Brilliant stuff, gents. Okay, uh, if you subscribe to The Athletic, uh, then keep yourself free on Friday at 4pm for an hour-long Norwich City debate with myself following Daniel Farker's pre-Arsenal press conference at Colney. Uh, you can follow that and, more importantly, get involved at the on The Athletic website and app. And if you're not a subscriber, then as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can get 40% off if you visit theathletic.com and use the code UK. Pot. Now, The Athletic is marking the final stages of 2019 by asking all of our correspondents of clubs, franchises, and across multiple, uh, multiple sports to name their team of the decade. This is the perfect opportunity to get that team of the decade from our guests and also to get you uh, guys and girls to think about yours. So, was this easy, gents? Um, to an extent, yes. But okay. I think it, you, you just have to... Just decide on a formula and stick to it because you can come up with all sorts of reasons for yeah. for what, how you're going to do it. And in the end, you just have to go, well, I like him, I like him, and I like him. <laughs> and that's, otherwise, you can tie yourself in knots. Yeah, I mean, you, you tend to think, do you go for players who have made outstanding contributions over a short period or, you know, a sort of more steady contribution over a longer period of time? Do you go for cult heroes? Do you go for yeah. players who, you know, you just haven't had a particular liking for? It's It's a difficult one, but... I think we've fallen upon a pretty decent 11 here. It's been an eventful decade, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> shall, we, shall, we, shall we start off with the goalkeeper? And is this particularly difficult? Uh, I think I found it quite difficult. I found this one of the most difficult positions. I think. Really? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Here's oh. why. I think John Ruddy clearly has been the best servant to Norwich City in the last decade and probably deserves to be in the team. But I think we've been we've been blessed with some good goalkeepers. I think uh, Tim Krul uh, at the moment. It, you know, it's a shame this decade is coming to an end. Give it another couple of years, and you you might be looking at him as a, a real genuine Norwich City hero. And I I want to say a word about Fraser Forster as well, who I probably would go for as the best goalkeeper Norwich have had in the last ten years. And the reason I say that is because. He's had a bad injury, and I think he would have played loads of games for England if he hadn't have done. And also, people forget that League One season when Norwich won the league, um, Grant Holt, Wes Houlihan, all of that. The players' player of the season that year was Fraser Forster, mm -hmm. and I think he's it, so much has happened since that contribution has been forgotten. But 
you probably have to go for John Ruddy because of how long he was there and what he did. But I, I wouldn't want people to forget about Fraser Forster because I think he was he was brilliant when he played for Norwich. Great shout, Fraser. A quick shout out for Angus Gunn as well, who was yeah. pretty faultless in his um, one season on loan. Yeah. And his first season of yeah. senior football. Absolutely. <laughs> that's really the, that's, the, that's yeah. what goes against Forster and Gunn. It was only one season each, yeah. wasn't it? I've gone John Ruddy for v- pretty much the reasons Chris said, two promotions, obviously. And I think he kind of found his home at Norwich, didn't he, after a... I think he probably had you know over 10 loan spells during his time yeah. at Everton probably a bit lost in his career he came to Norwich and you know he found his home and he, he as many players do fell in love with the area fell in love with the club and I think he retains that love for the club to this day yeah. and his performances certainly in um, the 2012-13 season just before he picked up that nasty thigh injury where around the same time where he picked up his solitary England cap I think he was Really outstanding in that period. Yeah. Right. All right. Then, well, John Ruddy, I think we're all uh, unanimous in that one. Yeah. Uh, how about our formations? Now, I've gone diamond yes. because that is the, well, well for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is because I needed Wes Houlihan in the team. <laughs> and so Teaser. if Teaser. Wes Houlihan's in the team, you have to play that system, I think. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, so, so that's, that's why I've done the diamond. And also because that's definitely the Norwich formation of the, the, the decade well, for me, because that's true. what started it all off. 100%. This is Don't it. call me Glenn Rode, but I'm playing Wes off the left. <laughs> I was then going to say, every manager tried to play him on the left, so there's always going to be one. Um, okay, so left of a... Left in a what? Um, so it's a four-three-three. Okay. Um, so with with a holding midfielder and two forward-looking central midfielders, and then inverted wingers and a striker. I feel like they've gone for the rounded <laughs> picture. How about our defence then? Okay. Should, should I kick us off right yeah, back, Chris? So um, right back. I mean, uh, Russell Martin has to be in this team. And I want the rampaging right back Russell Martin from um, earlier on in his Norwich career. I think obviously his contribution to the club doesn't he doesn't he doesn't need me to come on here and, and tell everybody about it. He um and he obviously went on to prove himself in many other ways for the club as well as captain, co captain for hero spokesperson when we needed him to be. Um <laughs> And I think he signed on January the 4th, 2010. Does that make him the first signing of the decade as well? Oh, um, well, that would have been permanently, be. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. he was on permanent the signing. Before, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 But you're right, every team needs somebody who can send out to talk to the press when they lose. So if these teams that we've picked don't do very well, we need Russell Martin. <laughs> yeah, to, that's true. We need some that's rallying cries. Point. That's a great point. <laughs> you know? And similar to to John Ruddy, he obviously poured his heart and soul into the club for many years. He's got to be in there, hasn't he? Yeah, he has to be. No complaints from me. How about on the left? Left back. I was going to quit so you'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Left back, I've gone for um, Adam Drury just because he's one of the best Norwich left backs ever and he did feature in this decade. So oh, yeah. how can you have anybody else? Well, he's not in mine. I've, I've gone for Jamal Lewis. Okay. Now, for, for a few reasons here. Now, he's nearly, he's nearly played, well, he's, I think he's just over 75, 76, yeah. 77 games for the club, so he's very well established now. Um, I say he's an academy graduate. I mean, we signed him when he was you know a, a late teenager so he came through he played for our academy team so therefore he is an academy graduate <laughs> thank you very much said like a true um, press officer and from my, from my experience of you know when i was at the club um jamal was breaking through the under 18s and 21s teams and actually he didn't really stand out he's a left winger not a left back in those days and um he was a solid squad player um with a great attitude and i think that's the thing which has driven him to the position he is today but i think as a player i really like him i think he's unfussy he's economical with the ball positionally he's fantastic he's technical he's physical and um i, th- I just think he's he's made a really positive impact and obviously last year he was a, in the system that daniel farker played in that championship promotion winning team the fullbacks were essential 
and he was a, a really critical part of that. And actually, I think when the pressure was on at the back end of last season, he was really, really good. And he started this season well as well, even though he's just picked up an injury. Exactly. And an international footballer with Northern yeah. Ireland. So he, he, he is my left back as, as well. And actually, I based that partly on how well I think he's adjusted to the Premier League. I yeah, think actually he, maybe Max is probably really hitting his stride now, but in terms yeah. of from the off, I thought Jamal was there. Let's, yeah. have, a, let's have a centre-back pairing. Yeah. Do it as a pairing, Chris. It's, I found it quite difficult, this. Yeah. I think yeah. we've had... Um, it's the, the, You think about Forbes and Stringer, Mackay and Fleming, we haven't really had a, an iconic central defensive duo uh, consistently for a long period of time for the last 10 years. But I've gone for... Sebastian Bassong, because in the last decade, there's only been 10 Norwich City Player of the Season awards, obviously, and he got one of them. So, he did. You know. And he's the only defender in the decade to win that award. There we go. Yeah. And he nice. made a really important contribution coming in when Norwich were leaking goals under Chris Hewton and really looking at like we could be in some trouble and really steady the ship. So, And then he had a sort of second coming, having been dropped from the team when he, went, when he was part of the playoff team. So Bassong for me. And I've put Tim Closer alongside him because I'm very fond of Tim Closer. And the reason I like him is because he's gone through it all with Norwich, um, found himself getting relegated quite quickly, found himself at one point playing in the Checker Trade Trophy, completely out of the team under Alex Neal in, in the Championship. A lot of players, particularly players who haven't played in the Championship before, would have packed their bags and left at the nearest opportunity. He didn't. He's come back. He's been a crucial player for Norwich over the years and but for injury would definitely be in the team now in the Premier League. Yeah. So that's that's who I've gone for. Good shout. I've gone for Bassong as well. I was I was toying to go with Tim Closer, but I've gone with Zimmerman. You're going to accuse me of recency bias now <laughs> with uh, Jamal Lewis and Crystal Zimmerman. But I think actually with Zimmerman, it's, it's a similar story to Lewis. He, he has, His impact has been so strong. And I think his, his, his is a great story. Obviously, we know that he was close to quitting football altogether and, and doing a teaching degree, I think, just before he got the call from Daniel Farker. He suffered quite a lot from homesickness in his early days at Norwich. And, um, but just last year, his growth into the, into the role of captain and obviously at the moment, his stock couldn't be any higher with Norwich fans. So I think it's, it was a struggle. I think, you know, mentions to Michael Turner, Ryan Bennett as well, who had decent moments at the highest level, but probably didn't do it over a long enough period of time and obviously Zimmerman um, was in a title winning team so I think that's my logic you said it all I, I honestly thought Seb would be would, would be a controversial choice but um, yeah. uh, obviously no. not yeah. who's yours not, Michael and it's Sebastian Bassong and Christoph Zimmerman yeah. um, for the reasons Chris said about Seb um, certainly in terms of him coming twice in terms of really successful teams and playing um, you know playing so when, when he was in a good place, he was as good a centre-back as Norwich had in, in that era mm. under Chris Hewton when everyone went on about how tight Norwich were. <laughs> and for Christoph, it is his journey, his progression. Yeah. And again, you, you know, last season, I think, deserves to carry extra weight because of, because of what Norwich achieved. I think when um, Norwich won promotion against Blackburn last season, the scenes obviously were raucous on the pitch at the end, but the, the, the moment that really got me was when Zimmerman was walking around on his own with a flag draped around his shoulders. It's in a very emotional moment. I think it, it really hit him what he had achieved. It, it was um, incredible uh, talking to him after the game, wasn't it? Yeah, Chris? Yeah. He's, been, yeah. he's great. We, we, everyone yeah. loves Christoph Zimmerman, don't they? Yeah. Okay, let's uh, rattle into the midfield then. So, uh, Ben, you've gone for a. Uh, so, I've gone, I've gone for a um, combative holding midfielder, Lovely. I guess. <laughs> what, what else is there? Well, <laughs> Norwich's own Phoenix. He just keep, keeps regenerating from the physio table. It's Alex Tetty. I mean, he is <laughs> he is incredible, isn't he? Like, this I mean, guy. Doesn't, this one doesn't get booked, so maybe maybe it's not the same one. <laughs> yeah, first, <laughs> first booking of the season yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. Incredible. I think uh, every Norwich City manager has probably had doubts about Alex Tetty's role in the team. Every Norwich City manager has ended up, you know, 
playing Alex Tetty in a in a very significant role. And I think no, no, that's no truer than in the last few weeks with Norwich City and Daniel Farke. You know, Alex Tetty has risen to the fore. Obviously, he's played in defence, which is at, you know not his natural position, but certainly against Everton at the weekend, he was great. Plan. Joined in August 2012, so he's a very long-serving player. The longest-serving at the moment. The longest-serving. So yeah. Uh, yeah, plug. There's a, a, an exclusive interview with Alex Tetty over at the Athletic. Just get uh, that in. So you know, you can a new one. Listen to that. Not well. It's a few weeks old. Oh, right. Okay. But still, um, you know, still works. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah Tetty's Great interview he is. Sorry, oh, a, he is he, brilliant to talk to. He, yeah. he really is. Yeah, of course he is. He's, he's responsible for, as you say, b- being first pick from so many different managers who require so many different things. I think that's brilliant. Um, some great moments as well. Some wonderful yeah. goals. You know, winners at Old Trafford, which I think I'm right in saying until Saturday was still one of Norwich's last five away goals. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we yeah. haven't scored many. But yeah. so, but yeah, he's, you, of course you have to have him in. And the, the volley against Sunderland exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were so oh, many moments. Yeah. The, the joy from that came from how unexpected it was. <laughs> yeah. The swing of the boot. Does it every yeah. week in training, <laughs> uh, no one said. And I mean, he's great meme material as well. Just one final thing on Tessie. Like the dances, the smiles, the weird like poses that photographers seem to catch of him in action. I mean, he's just fantastic. And, and just him saying, it's me, it's Teddy, yeah. it's yeah. our video. He's, <laughs> I mean, the, he's also the sweariest player I've ever yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Been, he's been responsible for more edits than any, anyone this else. This is true. Uh, so it based, <laughs> Teddy at the base of your mid uh, diamond? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with mine. So who's playing um, alongside him, slightly higher up? I've gone for, my two are Johnny Housen, who I just a player I've got a lot of fondness for, I think he was an excellent player, and, that, and I've also crowbarred James Madison into the team in that yeah. position. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of crowbar. Snap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I did. I did toy under under James Madison because of you know he's probably one of the most technically gifted players I've seen in a Norwich shirt, and the twenty four million quid probably saved them selling about eight other players. Yeah. Um, so I think l- just looking at the raw stats from that that season where he was just incredible. I mean, fourteen league goals from midfield, eight assists in a, in a poor team. Let's not forget that he almost single handedly kept the Norwich fans interested that season. I think it was. Uh, an incredibly um, transformative campaign for him, certainly. And I think, it, obviously, he's gone on to bigger and better things. He's certainly shining in the Premier League right now. But I, th- I think sometimes he's unfairly cast as arrogant and you know maybe a bit full of himself. But my experience of him is that he has got an incredible attitude, like the attitude you need if you're going to make it to the very top of the game. And I think that is what will propel him to, to even greater things than what he's achieving now more England caps certainly success under the right tutelage of Brendan Rodgers at Leicester so I think for me just the impact that he had on that one season was just so phenomenal that he had to be in so you've got Teti I've got Teti and then I've got um in a kind of De Bruyne Silva role yeah with Housen and um James and Madison, James Madison. Yeah. you've got Housen yeah. and Madison uh, yeah, Johnny Housen, I, I love as a player. Uh, it's yeah. a shame how it ended, but um, again, very good. Can we dedicate a good hour to Johnny Housen? Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Possibly so. I mean, he rescues pigeons. What, 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 <laughs> more is there? what more is there to say? Lovely guy. Um, now, I haven't got James in my 11. Ooh. I've gone for Bradley Johnson okay. because I think he had the season of all seasons, um, the, the goal scoring feats of, of almost um, single handedly dragging Norwich. Um, back into the Premier League um, and I thought that in, in a lot of ways the, the uh, attachment people had to him and he didn't leave on his own terms necessarily just sort of got binned off and never really got a chance to show himself in the Premier League and I always remember in the Premier League final you know clearly how much it sort of meant 
meant to him in that moment. So the head of our diamond, well, it's obviously yeah. Wes Hoolan. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, what do we, is there anything left to say? No, it's Wes Hoolan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, literally, you and I have built our whole, even in pretend world that we're doing now, we've built our whole teams around him. Because <laughs> we're, we're even a team that will never play and it doesn't matter. We've still built it around him because that's what you have to do. So in your, say, top five um, arbitrary number, uh, Norwich City players, Wes in there? Uh, yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, I've never really thought about it, but yes, he must be. Yeah, he's right up there with me. Um, I assume he's in your eleven. Yeah, he's there. He's Where, a, where's he playing? Is he in he's, a floating he's, role? He's play, yeah, I mean, he's he's you know arbitrarily on the left, but he's you know wherever Wes wants to go, he will be allowed to go okay, in well, my system. Jamal's going to need some help out there. <laughs> um, so I've completely lost track of where we are. Does that mean we've got one more midfielder? No. Um, is that well, your midfielder? I have one more midfielder. You've obviously gone for two strikers each. Yes, yeah, yeah, top, top. Um, well, it's cool. So I put Emi Buendia in. This is a big dilemma because I, I was thinking... Nathan oh, now Re- I am going to accuse you of this. <laughs> I mean, really? I think so because I, because I wanted a balanced team. Don't like sure. I was talking with Nathan Redmond as well because I think his contribution is good over a longer period of time, certainly than Emmy. But last year, I mean, let's not forget the the style of football that Norwich City um, played last year was some of the best I think all of us have ever seen. I think Buendia was such an important part of that. Twelve assists. Um, the combinations of Pukki and Aaron's were were central to to the tactical style that Farker implemented, and you know his his football heaven. So me i mean i'd have got madders in if i was and then i'd have fiddled with the system but my yeah. main issue here is that that means you've only named one striker i have yeah yeah so you have been yeah so you haven't got both holt and pookie in your team. no i've got holt you've got holt pookie's so first no change pookie's first change no because first change and, yeah yeah on the bench you mean you dropped him <laughs> yeah, first <exactly>. change <laughs> wow okay go on well are we, are we going straight into grant holt right well you if you if you had to pick one you'd go for holt over pookie wouldn't you well, yeah, probably. But then yeah, I wouldn't. Well, I, I haven't. I wouldn't shoot myself. Yeah. I've gone too. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you can't. You can't talk about Norwich over the. You can't talk about the contribution of Zimmerman last season and Buendia last season without. Yeah. Without Puki, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he yeah. was. He was better than all of them. And Brokham. I mean, he he's record holder in. Yeah. So many. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, like those two. When you're doing this, those two have to be in it for me. And Wes did. And then you kind of. It's, I find it harder elsewhere on the pitch than in this area. I think that'd be a great, <laughs> that'd be a great combination as well. Wouldn't I it? would like to think so. Yeah, <laughs> Holty holding it up, playing yeah, yeah. Pookie around the corner. Yeah, well, who, who, which manager would get the best out of that partnership? Paul Lambert got the best out of Grant Holt. Well, I don't know. You, go on, you I've go got on. it worked out. Yes, got it worked out. Please, David McNally's this club's chief executive. Stuart Webber's the director of football. That would definitely work. Paul, Paul Lambert <laughs> is the sort of manager with Daniel Farker as the sort of assistant kind of go-between. Wow. Just sit back and yeah. watch that unfold. Yeah. How yeah. brilliant would that, that be? Would be? Because I think Lambert and Farker would get on very well because they could bond over German football and Dortmund. I think it would actually work. And then you've got Webber and McNally pulling the strings above them. It would be fantastic to watch, wouldn't it? You're going to stay on the fence over who'd get the manager. Well, I think if we're looking at events over the last 10 years, you'd probably say that the, the football we played over a long period under Paul Lambert was incredible. But he's gone and managed Ipswich. So that's a massive thing against him, isn't it? You can't... That, that, so that probably makes it Daniel Farker, just for that reason, I would think. But there's, there's not too much between them. Farker for me that's as well. That's the thing, yeah. if you're looking yeah. at the last 10 years. And also, just how ridiculous this is, we're talking about Norwich City over the last 10 years and the best strikers we've had. We could have had Harry Kane in that team. He's been the, <laughs> he's been the be- hang on, he's been the best English striker of the last ten years. He's played for Norwich in the last ten years. We haven't put him in. No, that's a that's a yeah. 
That is a great point. <laughs> it didn't even, it didn't even, not even that. No, not even exactly. think of it. You, it exactly. Not even yeah. if you think any, you know, there's anyone who could put Harry Kane from the last 10 years in their team would. And it was only I was thinking this morning, oh yeah, we had him. Well, Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of players who sort of should have been as well. Players who, if their performances had matched the hype around signing them, would have certainly made a team of the decade. Are you putting Ricky in your 11? Ricky's in there. Ricky Leroy Fair as well. Um, People, Alex Pritchard, who I thought was a fantastic player, and obviously Daniel Farker was gutted when he lost him um, in the middle of his first season. And Nelson, because I think we all agree Nelson is a, a, a really talented footballer. You know, I, I feel a bit, um, I, I focus too much on the system here rather than the individual, so I'm, I'm going to stick with it, but I'm just, I just want to clarify, obviously, that I, I've, I've picked a team that I think on the pitch would be the most balanced unit. Fine, yeah, yeah. And in terms of manager, Daniel Farker, definitely, but can I get Paul Lambert just to manage Grant Holt on his own? <laughs> <laughs> I think that works out quite yeah. well. I think I think we'd probably win everything with with those teams. I would probably go for Paul Lambert as manager. I have to say yeah. because not only did he get two promotions, but he kept them in the top flight, which, as we can see, and comfortably, um, which apparently isn't that easy to do. <laughs> um, so and, yet, and yet he's ended the decade where he started it, League indeed, One. Indeed, in in, in a significantly worse position really when you think about it uh, right uh, we'll get in uh, touch with us uh, to let us know your 11s uh, contact details to follow and as I said you can catch a vast array of teams of the decade across the athletic as we said goodbye to what I'm calling the tenties or the tenties <laughs> I've got tenties or teensies the 2010s well me well, right. yeah. the 2010s. <laughs> um, right, I think that is it. Uh, on the ball is up and running. Uh, I am genuinely excited, as you can hear. Uh, the pod is freely available, so make sure you subscribe uh, with your podcast player of choice on either Apple or Android. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, you can sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. Um, thank you, Zen. Uh, thank you, Chris, uh, so much for no coming worries. on. Uh, will you come on again? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. I've got to do my another team, have I? No. <laughs> No, 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 but we might get your top five uh, Norwich players. Um, ben, thank you. You're going to be a regular hey. here and there. Yeah. You're busy If man. the listeners want me. We'll let them decide. We'll let um, them decide. What I find is they do tend to tell you. So uh, thank you so much, gents, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, finally, a big thank you to you lovely boys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, for your time and your ears. We will be back with you next week for edition two of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. Thank you.